Hello, and you're listening to The Seventh Reel. This week, Tokyo Story, a 1953 film directed by Yasujiro Ozu, and The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. Oh my god, I've watched, I just watched the movie. I can't believe I forgot the pronunciation already. Um, a, 2000, a 2004 film directed by Wes Anderson. Now, I was responsible for picking these. For one, I just... Uh, my reasoning meaning that this was my first... Uh, I always wanted to go through Ozu again. I have watched Tokyo Story a long, long... I watched both of these films a long, long, long time ago. I don't remember much about any of them. Either of them. And boy, am I happy that I revisited them. For one... This I will say this is low key probably my favorite Wes Anderson next to uh, Moonrise Kingdom. Really, I thought I well maybe it was just because it was my first introduction to him, um, and also my first introduction to David Bowie. Although I'll buy through covers of David Bowie, Portuguese covers of David Bowie. But I thought this was a common. It's, this feels like a an a a arc, uh, him capping off an arc after like uh, Roll Tenebums and Darjeeling Limited. And, th- and then this. This this feels like him. Like, Darjeeling like, Limited like, was capping. 2007. Mm. Oh, was it 7? Pretty sure, mm. yeah. This was in between? Ooh, okay. This is even more interesting that he's already... Because co- this was kind of all about him himself, Wes Anderson as a filmmaker, trying to like tr- trying to wonder if, his, if he can even move forward, right, as an artist. I thought that's what a lot, a lot of the film felt like. I mean, I felt I felt like this was kind of the best of both worlds of his kind yes. of sensibilities. So I think exactly. it hits a good balance because the later stuff tends to be a little too much <laughs> him. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> that makes sense. And then uh, this kind of like there are, there are, there's less, you know, symmetry based shots and handhelds and stuff like that. So it's kind of fun. Yeah, he's a bit looser. Yeah. When he, yeah, it's, he's not as rigid. I like how he gets to play around with uh, with soundtrack a lot more. Um, his recent films are all period pieces, so they're all kind of grounded in like uh, the Alexander Desplat score. But in this case, it's a lot looser, right? There's the David Bowie covers. There's this, the movie has its own score, but then you have uh, the scene when Bill Murray goes uh, goes mm-hmm. berserk and takes out the pirates. That was to search and destroy. I thought it was awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it's a bit, yeah, it's a bit loose. It's more of a young guy feel to it. A bit more punk, uh, punkish. I, I dug that. It felt. It also feels like a really personal one because it is kind of yes. like what the, they do. Like you kind of get a crew together and start going on this adventure, making exactly. this movie, and that kind of must be what it feels like. And it culminates at the festival, right? Mm. When everybody gets to see it. Yeah. But I, I really, really like the Bill Murray's sadness in it. Like, oh my god, like so, this is yes. His, his performance. He perfected it, perfect. it yeah. in this one. He, it's perfect. Also, Owen Wilson. I love sad. I think Owen Wilson is a very underrated dramatic actor because mm-hmm. he does stupid um, roles. That's why he does super roles. He's yes. in Marry yeah. Me with yeah. uh, J Lo <laughs> right J-Lo. now, J-Lo. which my parents <laughs> actually watched. <laughs> Did they no. like it? <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that makes sense. He was really good in this. Mm. Also, a compl- almost a very young Kate Blanchett, who I realize is an amazing actress because what the what did she do with her voice in this? Like, mm. think about how she sounds in Nightmare Alley compared to her voice in this. It's incredible. Like, she sounds like a. Compl- I think she had a nose job. Well, it looks her nose looks bigger, and I thought this was Evangeline Lilly for like an hour. <laughs> mm. She's really good too. 
They all look like real people. I like I like how none all all these actors look in this. And it's a Wes Anderson film that doesn't feel as suffocating. I suppose that's a criticism you'll you can levy at his style.、Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking of symmetry and perfect frames, that that's why I wanted to pair it with Ozu,、mm-hmm. who is I suppose the godfather of keeping the camera still and mise en scène. This Tokyo Story, very very emotionally devastating is how I would describe it. It's probably one of the most emotionally crippling films I've ever seen. Why though? I mean, I mean, I thought it was so sad. Like every scene it wasn't was so like sad. that that sad. It was sad, but it, I don't think it's、yeah. so overwhelmingly. But a、sad. lot of it, but a lot of like maybe it's just like because like like I haven't seen my grand my grandparents in a long time.、Uh. Um, but like a lot of the stuff that they, they that brings up like.、Uh, For one, this is a film where well, there isn't that much of a story, right? Like, you,、um, it's about a a older retired couple visiting their children, who don't really have time for them anymore. None of them really do,、mm-hmm. and and that's it. And that's kind of and that's kind of just a movie. You're just like watching these characters go through, go through、uh, what can be seen as mundane actions. But to me, like I, I think that's the whole point. Is that it carries a, like the every how much effort that goes into just getting through the day. What did you think about Tokyo Story, Yusuf? This probably this is probably your first time watching Ozu film. Yes. Yeah. I I I mean I really like the framing. I really like kind of how the performances were, sort of. I don't know if that if that's just a cultural thing that everything's、mm-hmm. like so sort of uptight and like they were just、yes. like kind of like. They can't really say what they feel. Yeah. Nobody says what they feel.、Um, that's why they talk in analogies all the time. <laughs> yeah, and that that was kind of fascinating. Uh, the the thing I found really funny were, was they, when they kept talking about how you know the bustle of Tokyo and how busy it is. <laughs> I was like, oh, you you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> you haven't seen anything yet. <laughs> so, but that's I think that's great because here's a this it's a film that's thematically about post-war Japan.、Mm-hmm. I think、uh, and about the differences between the younger generation born. Who, 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 like all the children living in in Tokyo, the the older couple are constantly fat, like they can't keep up with modernity. After the war, all the young, all the younger generation wants to do is look forward. Enough of the past, right? Like build the new cities, build the new metropolis. Everything is like the factories, industrialization, like to get past that, like that painful, painful memory. And it feels like the older generation, like their parents, are kind of being left behind.、Mm. I love the way they reveal what happened to their youngest son. They never directly say it. They never directly, but like, okay, the fact that he's like, oh, he's probably dead. He's not coming back. He's probably dead. Like, because that's what they, a lot of them had to deal with in the war, right? Like, I think that's what a lot of these like older generations, like all the, a lot of their sons died. It's this film came out in 1953, the, and yeah, I just thought there's a lot of loss and. This idea that oh, what happens now? Are we just gonna the the last line in the film is literally you're gonna be oh you're gonna be alone you're gonna be alone now and I thought that was so haunting <laughs> even though like、mm-hmm. it's 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 I don't I think it's not that sad but to me like a lot of the stuff like a lot of the statements that it feels feel the film makes feel so existential <laughs> and sad like what if we had kids and they will just abandon you one、mm-hmm. day and it's not really their fault that they will. Yeah. It's just like the the fact that he had to get back get through the day. There's work. There's your own stuff. There's your 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 own commitments. It just tear it. You just drift away from each other. And I think that's emphasized so much in 
when the uh, when the when the grandmother dies and the last son, well, not grandma, it's not grandma. When the, when the when the mother dies, yeah. and the youngest, the son who arrives too late, who's the most busy and arrives too, uh, who arrives t- like the ah, it was so sad, guys. <laughs> I, I I I was losing it throughout most of the movie. Um, yeah, I thought he was a bit too casual. He was like, oh, mm-hmm. I was late. Okay, I missed it. That's no, kind but of no, the but point, that, but he sees they don't really care. But then you that's yeah, they don't really care. But at at yeah, the very so end, fun. his last scene. Mm. His face, he was, the guy was barely holding it together. I think him seeing his mother's, like, his, his mother's body, like, there was a shot, like, it's, I think it was very pointed because the film doesn't do that many big close-ups, mm. um, where the actor, he, there's so much going on behind, like, his eyes in terms of, like, oh, this is, this is what I missed, this is what I missed. Well, what, what about the, um, their, their son's, their deceased son's mm-hmm. uh, uh, wife? His widow. Yes. She when was she like when she smiled? Was, did it feel like totally fake or was it just me? Like I thought, I thought like she was like barely keeping a smile together. She right she is, she is. Um, and that's t- up till the end, right? Mm-hmm. When they when the father was like, "Well, you were very very kind to us." She's like, "No, I wasn't." And you can tell maybe she was trying to be very nice to make up for the fact that maybe she didn't think about her mm-hmm. her missing husband that much. You think um, so? Yeah, and all that comes well. She admits that herself, right? She, no, she says in the, in the some days, scene. like she yeah. doesn't. A some few days, days or and something. She, she was beating um, herself up over it, mm-hmm. and that's enough to make her feel guilty. Yeah, I really liked it. I thought it was beautiful. Well, yeah, uh, with Jesu, he loses his mm-hmm. son as well. Yes, so sad he, again. So sad. But he might not be his son. We, that's something we. Uh, mm. we're, it's not his son, right? His dear. Um, Wait, how do you know that? But they might as well. Because she tells Angelica yeah, Houston she's... tells um, oh. Kate Blanchett. Yeah. He shoots blanks or something. She says something like that to that effect. And I don't know. I just. But, but, but he knows that. Yeah, but his relationship to him is like. The, it might as well be. Like, yeah. yeah. The fact that he kept a letter, mm-hmm. like they both kept each other's letters, and they kind of didn't. He didn't even reveal that to him until the very, very end that he does remember. Mm. I I really love that when the first letter is the uh, is his response and it's like yes, yes I do and then the then they reveal the the Owen Wilson one and it's like do you ever think you uh, do you ever wish you could breathe underwater <laughs> so then, and then you get the question to the answer that was super cute and yeah obviously also, the hats and stuff when they mm-hmm. when the when the helicopter crashed mm-hmm. and it just I love that. That was Wes Anderson. That, that was something, oh, the editing yeah. trick that he pulled. That was something I was not expecting. And the red like, screen and stuff. But And the red screen. You know, and then the, the, the shaky cam. Like, it doesn't feel like Wes Anderson film at that point. The danger feels real yeah. when, he's, when they're in the water. And then you see the red start. Oh, my God. You know what else I loved? I absolutely what? loved when he what? just describing their, when they put the music on in the helmets. And he's, like, <laughs> dancing. <laughs> <laughs> He's just slightly dancing, and then you go into underwater with them, and the music's yeah. playing. <laughs> it's so funny. The music is so funny. The music is so good. <laughs> no, I mean the um, the one in the helmet where they're listening yeah. <laughs> to some like music, like some weird elevator. <laughs> I love the set that they built for all the ships. Um, yeah, yeah, I think this is the beautiful. only one of the times uh, when like Willem Dafoe's intensity. <laughs> Yes. Only once so in this kind of... <laughs> I, love, I love his accent. You it's so good. You always put me on B-Squad. 
It's so funny. Oh, it's so good. It's it's so strange to watch these back to back because the humor in uh, in one of them is mm-hmm. is so like I don't know. It's it's not like overdone, but it's just underneath the surface, and and it's like mm-hmm. very very apparent still. And uh, in uh, in Tokyo Story the sadness is what's underneath the surface and everyone's the just sadness smiling. is what's underneath the surface. Yes. Yeah. Everyone's just smiling through it all. Um that's a wonderful observation. Those great movies. I kind of wish Wes Anderson didn't fully commit now. Now that I watch this, like I wish he didn't cuz every like I haven't seen a French Dispatch yet, but they t- when they tell me mm-hmm. it's his most Wes Anderson thing, I believe it. Like mm-hmm. I, f- I can completely understand what he's going what he's probably going to do. Mhm. But I wish he played with stuff that's a bit more looser and a bit more based around character study. And this felt like a genuine event. Oh, I forgot. I wanted to mention this felt like a genuine adventure film at times. Well, at times it does. He proved that first off, he can actually direct action. Well, he kind of. I kind of knew that based on uh, the uh, the chase sequence in Grand Budapest. Even though it was all done with miniatures, it was still very, very good. Um, but I love the sequence when the pirates hijack the ship, and then they try to rescue him, and then when they went to rescue, he staged an action set piece. I could not believe I was watching seeing that in the Wes Anderson film. Also, if I were Bill Murray's character, I would totally leave Jeff Goldblum to die. I don't know why he rescued him. Uh, I think that was just like he stumbled upon him, and he was like, okay, Yeah, he stumbled yes. upon him. I would have rescued him. I was like, oh, okay. It was very funny when they just shoot him. I laughed. <laughs> Oh, I love this character so good. Mm-hmm. Michelle, what did you think about Life Aquatic? You, you've seen The French Dispatch. I don't know. I feel quite disillusioned with Wes Anderson at the minute. Ooh. Like, I don't know. I feel like you have to be in a specific mood. If you're not, it's just mm-hmm. kind of annoying. Yeah, no, I totally get that because I starting this, I was like, ugh. God, everything's so oh, cute. It's him doing. <laughs> yeah, and then and I'm not like you know exactly in the best phase of my life. So this is a this isn't like you know ex- exactly like exciting stuff. But but I I get the when I stuck with it I was like oh this is delightful and um, I can't still like still I started the French Dispatch and still haven't like watched it all the way through. Because again, he do, it's it's like too much. Like it's like um, when if if like if a cake is all if carrot cake. It's like eating whipped cream. Yeah, yeah. If the carrot cake was all icing, it's like no. That's you need some carrots. <laughs> we need to balance it out. Mm. And this, I th- I think this does a better job than later ones. Yeah. But uh, I mean, yeah. Fun. You can make the art like Grand Budapest was like full tilt was him fu- like fully mm-hmm. leaning into it. And then he didn't lean out, and that's kind of like yeah his formula yeah. now. Well, I mean, he was. I know. I'm I'm trying to figure out if he started with Moonrise Kingdom or he did that started with uh, what uh, Grand Budapest. Like, which one is the full full commitment? Probably um, in between. Feel... Probably in. <sighs> yeah, I feel like Moonrise Kingdom was a step in that, and then he got rewarded for it, and he was like, okay. Yes, he got, yeah. I'll, uh, I guess this is uh, great. And then he did the Grand Budapest Hotel, and then he just even he realized more he, needs, he made it too accessible. Into, yeah. He made him too accessible. But the French argument. dispatch is kind of not, you know, something that's working out right. Mm. Well, Noah Baumbach co wrote this mm. with him. Mm. Wait, this one? Mm. I didn't. Oh my god. Yeah, oh, that makes yeah, sense. yeah so, I did like the script. So it was good. 
Okay, that makes a lot of that makes a lot of sense. Why I thought this was this was there's a lot more going on here. Because there is a lot of themes like actually like being tackling. I'm surprised by how like how how much stuff they're trying to like get to, and both both in terms of like reflecting it on like a meta level as an artist looking back on his work, and also like is Wes and does Wes Anderson have kids? No, I don't know. I don't think so. I think he's like Spike Jones. He's just skinny white guy doing his thing. He has one kid. Mm. Oh really? <laughs> yeah, he okay. has one child. Uh, All right. His name <laughs> is. Wait, Florent Anderson or something like that, right? Oh, so he East. no, it's very recent. Twenty sixteen. She's like a baby. She's oh, a genuine okay. she's a child. Yeah, she's gonna. Her name's Freya. That's cool. See? I'm glad she didn't. <laughs> Freya. Uh, Freya's okay. Freya's. Uh, no, it's good. An, it's uh, considering it's good. It's a Norse, a Norse goddess. That's good. I like that. It's yeah, but I love that. <laughs> I love how he's. So. I wonder where he got the idea that all, because all his kids, the kids in Wes Anderson movies, all behave like a very specific way. They act like adults. For one, they're always That's usually the they act like adults. They're usually mm-hmm. more level-headed and more mature than the adults. I don't know where he got that from. I just, I kept wondering where, like, where, where he um, picked that up. How do you find out if people have kids? I want to know if Spike Jones has a kid. Wikipedia. I just go on Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. So I'm on there right now. It says, All right. Dated, Does Spike Jones have a kid? Dated actress Drew Barrymore in 2007. <laughs> oh, cool. That's they separated. Oh, started dating Japanese actress Rinko Kikuchi. Kikuchi, what the hell? Yeah. He did? But then wow, what a, they separated what a baller. in 2011. So wow, I guess no the girl kid. from Pacific Rim. <laughs> mm-hmm. Cool. Well, I guess being married once to a couple, married to a couple at once was enough for him. Yeah. Well, these movies were great, and uh, these movies were great. Um, we're kind of off track now. Shall we take a break? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's do it. And we're back. Now, step right up, ladies and gentlemen. Step right up. Seven reels. Seven reels. Let's rate these films. Who's the winner? Okay, I, I would go um, four Steve Zissou, three Tokyo Story, but only because mm-hmm. it's just like a lighter watch and yeah. that, that's it. But I enjoyed both, so. Mm-hmm. Michelle? I go four Tokyo Story and three Life Aquatic. Mm-hmm. I just really, mm. really liked Tokyo Story. Like, it wasn't boring, mm. even though, like, yeah. in theory, it should have been. But yeah. 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 <laughs> that kind of blew That's me away. Way to put it. Yeah. Such a good way. I want to live in a Japanese house. It's kind of what made me feel. Mm. Yeah, it looked amazing, honestly. Mm. Anyways, yeah. Arvin, what is it? The they're drinking. My, my rating is four for Tokyo Story, three for Life Aquatic. I, lo- I think both of these films are excellent. I. S- I stand by my statement. I still low-key think this is one of Wes Anderson's best. In terms of just, like, it's very ambitious thematically, and I I like it when he's more intimate compared to, I don't know, when he, when, when, his, when, when his aesthetic becomes too suffocating and overbearing. Mm-hmm. All right, which moves on us up to what have we what, 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 what watched this week? So uh, you guys watched, I believe... Licorice Pizza. We got new. We got PTA. Um, <laughs> okay. How, so how was it? What did you guys think? I loved it. Okay. Michelle, it was really good. Yeah. I just like. I mean, mm-hmm. other than the the age difference is weird, and if it was reversed, mm-hmm. would not be okay. But mm-hmm. somehow it worked. 
Yeah, that's, it worked because that's the actors are so good. I think it worked because you believe you, you buy them. Those oh, two. And what did you guys think of her uh, specifically? She's amazing. Yeah. She she stood out a lot more than I think uh, Phyllis Seymour Hoffman's son. Mm. Well, but more more because it's, it's she's the true protagonist of the story. Mm-hmm. Like to me, like the thing the film is much more grounded in her emotional anchor, what she is emotionally going through compared to him, which is I think it's so cool. It's like a reverse almost famous. <laughs> Yeah, she, uh, I love how how it's the entire Heim family. The moment she got home, I was like, I mm. think those are her sisters, and yeah. then it turns out it's her whole family. <laughs> yeah, and her parents—they they were excellent. Her parents, her mm. her dad is amazing. I didn't know her dad is like I know they're not actors, but they're really really good. Um, the mm. sequence when he got mad at the boy for not like praying yeah. with him in the Yiddish, <laughs> so good. <laughs> Who says that? Who says that? No, thank you. I'm <laughs> yeah, who does that? Who does that? And then her reaction is like, what does your penis look like? That you're a fine girl. She's so good. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just because of where she's... I've never seen someone play, like, accurately nailed the sense of directionless that you feel in your mid-twenties, especially upon seeing younger people achieve more than you. Mm-hmm. Um, like, the way she played, like, the, the hesitation in her, like, the, way she, the, the pivot that she made to politics, great makes perfect sense to me. She wants to do something that actually matters. It's also very, very funny. Yeah. I, I forgot PTA films could be this funny. Yeah. The kid, the, the boyfriend, like the, the Jewish boyfriend, when, when he was first introduced on the plane and mm-hmm. he came over to speak with them, he's like, oh yeah, cool, cool. You guys have steak back here too. <laughs> it's, so it's such a wonderful little joke. <laughs> That's just tucked in. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> a good movie. Such a good oh. movie. Mm-hmm. What did you think about... Because I was trying to fig- figure out what he's trying to say with this. I because the this, the film is separated between like Coop, like there's uh, there's Cooper Hoffman's like mm-hmm. well, Gar- Gary's there's the mm-hmm. younger Gary's like go get her go get him attitude and then there's her who mm-hmm. wants to do something more who wants to wants what who wants what she does to matter. I'm thinking about how much of that is Western. Uh, sorry, it's not Western. It's a PTA also kind of reflecting on his career. How so? That sequence when she's when like he doesn't. I think it's it's when it's illustrated that when when he, when Gary overhears them talking about the pinball thing, right, and that, that mm. which is the thing that leads them to the big argument. He doesn't hear like the big political changes. He doesn't hear like big policy changes. All he hears is opportunity to make a buck, right? Mm. And that's why kind of what she kind of hounds him on. It's like, why don't you understand? Why aren't you seeing the bigger picture here, of like what we the work we can do can actually mean something beyond just making a buck and making that and getting you that kick. I wonder how much of that is like PTA reflecting on like creating accessible art or his early su- his early success as a filmmaker with stuff like Boogie Nights. Yeah, it's quite interesting. Yeah, if- yeah, that's a good point because I guess this movie's like lighter fare. Yes, it's not exactly. Like about Scientology it's, or about it's like, not the master. Well, it's so, not there yeah. will be blood. Yeah, there's still a lot of tension. The truck scene is amazing. There's a scene when they're in the oh, truck trying to go up and down a hill. So but the moment they run out of gas, there is a the cinemat- the visual language of the film suddenly takes on this level of tension. Did you, did you feel that when because mm-hmm. they start doing these really sharp razor sharp cuts to uh, Alana looking at the cat gas gauge, her shifting, her trying to make it get the car. Like I love that. Suddenly there's tension, even though it's hilarious that they're just trying to like <laughs> like trying to push like get this truck down the hill. The, the the cinematography and the and the and the way the sequence is cur- like blocked emphasizes that you know even in these like ridiculous moments there's a little bit of tension a little bit of danger I love that so cool also Bradley Cooper going insane 
He watched <laughs> Bradley Cooper's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. I mean, like with Nightmare, Nightmare Alley and this kind of solidify. Yeah, mm-hmm. Barbara Streisand. Barbara Streisand. <laughs> yeah. Well, I watched. What did you watch? Sorry. Yeah. yeah. No, that's fine. I watched the Kanye documentary. <laughs> What's it called? It's called Genius, and I hate the <laughs> name. It's so bad. It's not even. It's spelled like J E E N, then Y U H S. It's got great footage. It's kind of really interesting to see him at mm-hmm. the beginning of his career when he's just like a normal guy and like for just like an artist trying to make it and being mm-hmm. insecure and vulnerable and it's um it's kind of shocking That's over like so many years though mm-hmm. right? it's... yeah it, it's truly shocking like to see someone you you know as this one thing and, and yeah. see the origins of it how does that make you reflect upon like his trajectory like how he started out do you think like the kanye that started out wanting to create his own voice is still the same guy like is he still doing that now he feels like he's still doing that now he does he always seem like a genuine artist to me i was just wondering like how much of that after watching the documentary do you think that has shifted yeah no i i think he's like it's kind of interesting like he's almost like a force like he's just inevitable Mm. like he just kept pushing 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 and it was gonna happen anyways but i i think his fame kind of warped whatever it is he was doing from it being like oh i'm creating something into Mm. i am the thing so that's I, oh, yeah. that so that that's kind of odd to to see him you know getting minor you know success not minor but like getting like s- certain aspects of you know his career moving and then being like it's not enough it's not enough mm. and then you know compared to this guy who owns the the anything now like he could just do anything he wants it's so mm. jarring it's an interesting watch i've only seen the first part there are three supposed to be coming out so it's gonna be cool yeah cool well moving on to our recommendations who wants to go first i recommend squid and the whale the noah baumbach oh oh very good it's great, great. Yeah. oh my god that was so uncomfortable i don't think i was mm-hmm. i don't think i've ever been so uncomfortable watching a movie than watching jesse yeah. eisenberg just do the oh oh i thought you when meant the anime Oh yeah, that too. That too. Oh my, I was I I I, I, I Wait, who's the actor? I'm to bring it up because I'll go on a tangent. Jeff, Jeff Daniels and Anna Paquin. Plays it. Like, father okay. in, is it Canadian Goose? Something come, like that. Uh, come no, come uh, come fly home oh, or something like that. It's about Canadian geese. Yeah, it's about Canadian geese. He plays her dad in another movie, and now they're in this one. They're uh, he's a older professor sleeping mm-hmm. with his, his student. It's off. It's off. It made the movie so much more insidious than it than it should. I I wonder how the actors felt doing this those scenes. Yusuf, what do you recommend? Oh, I was gonna recommend Rushmore, which I think nice. has the best ah. joke of any movie ever. <laughs> what was it? <laughs> when he's like dressed in OR scrubs and he's like, oh, are they? <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. Okay, I'm watching, this, I'm watching that. Basically, just, that was so pretty. good. Wait, that's the one about the. the oh, that's another Bill Murray and a yeah. younger guy pinning after a woman movie, right? It's the exact yeah. same setup. <laughs> yeah. Cool. Okay. I've been just kind of 
scratching my mind to try and find like a suitable recommendation for this. Honestly, after watching, bef I want to recommend. It's a bit, it's a bit out there, but it's also in just terms of like these subtle moments about family and like getting through the day before midnight. We haven't done. I love this movie. I haven't talked about it before, even though I love this very much. But both of these films are. I love that have this. Both this and Tokyo Story capture this sense of like just sitting in a place, you know, looking at something, and that and you, it's slow, and you know, nothing's really happening, but everything's happening, and it's about like how we those little moments that we kind of ignore in our day to day are just are, are actually quite impactful and can carry meaning and beauty. Okay, that would be my recommendation. Which wait, so what's next? Oh yes. Next week. Michelle, it's your turn next week. So next week, we are doing the only superhero film we will ever do on this podcast, or I'm quitting, is okay. <laughs> the Christopher Reeve Superman and the first Star Wars film, the original one. So that'll be fun. Mm, our second Lucas venture. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. It's going to be hard to come up with a title for that one, too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Well, we, we have some time to start thinking. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for joining us today. Keep it real. Bye. Bye. And we'll see you really soon. Bye-bye. The Seventh Reel is hosted by Arvin Wong, Michelle Hassel, and Yusuf El Bashir. Logo by Joe Conti. Our ad break music is composed by Yusuf Sui Lim. And our outro music is composed by Yahya El Bashir. Thanks for listening.